0: Finding New Films Self-Tapes. I should have said FNF Self-Tapes, but I didn't. <laughs> but that's what it stands for. It stands for Finding New Films Self-Tapes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I blanked for one second, but I'm right back. Um, I want to say one thing right off the, the top of this show. Uh, I probably don't need to say this, but... Um, I don't know. I feel weird running a show about movies and and not saying something. I fully stand with the writers and actors that are currently on strike. Um, Just want to put that out there. Fully, fully on board with with that. And um, I hope that they are able to to get the restitutions they believe that they are um, owed. And um, I believe that they are owed it as well for entertaining all of us and keeping us all in, uh, a peace of mind or a chaos of mind, um, depending on what it is you like and, uh, all that being said, um, solidarity to those striking currently, um, in New York, Los Angeles, wherever you are striking, um, so... Just wanted to get that out of the way. I feel weird uh, doing a podcast about movies. I don't make money doing this, though. So I, I, you know, uh, I would feel differently if I were, like, uh, in Squarespace, you know. But um, I am am not quite there uh, yet. But if I were getting paid for it, I would, I don't know what I would do. (laughs) I'm not going to pay it, so I don't have to worry about that, right? Hey-oh, more money, more problems. Uh, anyways, <laughs> we're going to get into the show now. Um, so this week, I chose to review the film Love and Basketball. Um, this film came out in 2000. Uh, it was produced by 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks. Uh, the runtime on this movie was 124 minutes. It was written and directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. Bythwood. Uh, it was edited by Tara Lynn A. Shropshire. It, music was done by Terrence Blanchard. The camera work was done by Reynaldo Villalobos. And the stars of the film were Sanaa Lathan and, uh... It's either Sanaa... Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. I'm so sorry. And then Omar Epps as well. Um... And yeah, we're going to jump right into the plot though, Uh, and the plot is as follows. Okay, the story is divided into four quarters, each one representing a different period in the lives of the protagonists. The first quarter takes place in 1981 when Monica and Quincy are children and become friends due to their shared love for basketball. Monica proves to be an excellent player, beating Quincy in their first game of one-on-one. However, their friendship is threatened when Quincy knocks Monica down during a game and accidentally cutting her face. They reconcile and share a kiss, but their relationship is complicated. The second quarter is set in 1988 when Monica and Quincy are attending Crenshaw High School. Quincy is a star basketball player and Monica is the leader of the girls' basketball team. Quincy is a popular, uh, Quincy is popular and dates the prettiest girls in school, while Monica struggles to control her emotions on the court and harbors feelings for Quincy. However, they manage to connect romantically and make love after both being accepted to the University of Southern California, also known as USC. The third quarter begins when they start college, and Quincy is a promising player on the court, while Monica frequently has run-ins with her head coach, Ellie Davis, and struggles to get playing time on the women's team. Quincy struggles to deal with the media attention and discovers his father's infidelity. The pressures of their athletic and academic commitments, coupled with their deteriorating relationship, cause them to break up. The fourth quarter of the plot... Uh, follows the plot to 1993, a few years before the establishment of the WNBA. Monica and Quincy are both professional basketball players. Monica plays for an IBWA team, which is the International Basketball Women's Association. Or, yes, Basketball Women's Association. Uh, She plays for FC Barcelona. Um... And while Quincy is in his fifth year as a player for the Los Angeles Lakers, Uh, after after visiting Quincy in the hospital following a devastating knee injury, Monica learns he is engaged to be married. She also confronts confronts her mother Camille about their troubled past. Quincy recovers from his injury and his wedding draws closer while Monica quits basketball to work at a bank. Camille encourages Monica to pursue her dreams, and Quincy and Monica play a high-stakes one-on-one game, with Quincy agreeing to call off the wedding if he loses, although Quincy wins, and he realizes he can't live without Monica and chooses her instead. The two get married and have a daughter, with Monica eventually playing in the WNBA. In a post-credit scene, Quincy and Monica's daughter is shown playing basketball at a playground. The themes of this movie are betrayal, chance, coming of age, dedication, disillusionment, family, fate, feminism, human nature, identity, jealousy, love and sacrifice, man versus self, maturity, passion, wealth, winning and losing. Um, And that was Love and Basketball, 2000. Um, So... I'm just going to read these first two thoughts right off the top because I want to get this page flipped over. (laughs) Um, So I I enjoyed that the film was told in quarters. I thought it gave a a really cool depth to the movie and it gave it a a very clear, concise um, way to tell the story. And for a first-time filmmaker, I think it really simplified how uh, she told the story. and I, I, it ultimately did nothing but help her. And, that, and that's the only reason that I mention it. Um, and I really enjoyed it, it uh, because of the obvious, you know, tie-in to four quarters of basketball and whatnot. And anyways, <laughs> I don't need to explain that. Um, and then the music of this film is nothing but needle drops. It is nothing but... Popular music. Um, I don't know how much of the movie really is score. It's mostly, uh, from what I remember watching the movie, it was just, um, it was just like songs, you know, Um, which is fine. Uh, I think it added to the overall vibe. But there is some times where it's like, uh, and especially in a romance movie, where I kind of want, like, a vibe setter. And I don't really... I don't know. Sometimes just R&B underneath is not what I was looking for. But that's probably just me. Anyways, I'm gonna move on from that. Uh, my next note here says, <laughs> these 11-year-olds have the social awareness of 6-year-olds. Um this could also just be a me thing. Maybe I just don't, I don't know, I don't talk to children very often, um, if at all, uh, at this point. Um, (laughs) so, I don't know, maybe I'm just out of touch with children, like modern day children, or, you know, what their sensibilities are. I mean, these are obviously kids from the 90s, so they don't really, it's just pre-internet, or kids from the 80s, really, so this is way pre-internet. This is actually pre-internet, not like pre-popular internet. This is like actually like pre the invention of the internet. Um, so maybe we just had different sensibilities. Probably do. Probably definitely do. Um, I I assume that they had to cast kids that were older than the the parts um and that may have been why it felt so awkward and stale because it's kids that are like more intelligent saying lines that were meant for younger kids and i think that may have been why that was affected nevertheless they weren't really on screen for long enough for it to really matter uh so i'm not going to dwell on it that much um i didn't know i didn't really understand why i had to see him kiss though i i don't i didn't i didn't leave that out i don't need to see that um, 25-year-old high schoolers, <laughs> yeah, uh, selling Omar Epps as a high schooler was really funny to me, um, and even, I don't know if it's uh, Sana or Senai, um, if it, I don't know, I'm sorry, but, um, yeah, they were, they were not high schoolers, and I didn't buy that <laughs> for one second, but to, in the suspension, to put my mind in suspension of disbelief, they are high schoolers. Um, I have a quote. I'm pretty sure Gabrielle Union says this. (laughs) She says, look at that booty. I just want to lick the sweat off it. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, popped me. I, I laughed pretty hard. Um, good line, funny line. I like that. Uh, my next line, my next note here says, "These meetings his dad are having are definitely sex." Uh, that was telegraphed like from the start. There was no like, uh, there's no suspension of disbelief there for me, uh, at least. Um, that was very blatant, <laughs> and I'm sure, it, it, and it was supposed to be, but uh, you know. I, I thought it was very funny, it was like, oh, I gotta go to a meeting. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, we know what that means, bro. <laughs> You're not slick. Okay. Um, um. I'm not gonna read that note, because it's not important. I enjoyed their unspoken bond for uh, allowing them into each other's house, or specifically the boy getting allowed into the the girl's house. What are their names? Shit. Um, The boy's name is Q. Q getting allowed into... I normally write their characters' names on here. Monica. Yeah, sorry. Quincy and Monica, um, Quincy specifically going over into Monica's house, um, when, uh, whenever his mom and dad started arguing, because they, Nat really did a good job of establishing that, like, this is a, this is a common troubled issue, so, a common troubling issue that he has to deal with, to deal with, uh, I need to stop mumbling, boop, 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 um, the story of her not getting recruited and then suddenly getting an offer, I thought it was contrived, and then it became uh, more uh, more rooted in a, in a sense of reality when it became uh, known that she was offered the bat, the starting point guard, says only because uh, the, the other girl got pregnant and she couldn't come anymore. Which is um a really fucked up thing to say to another person, but anyway, we're gonna move on from that. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that like she didn't hit the game winner in a high school state championship game. I like that they built adversity for her, um, and not like everything was given to her. She had to continue working hard and everything like that. And she just, every chance and opportunity she was given, she just worked and, uh, you know, did the best she could. I really enjoyed that aspect of it, uh, the grinding aspect that uh, we all love as basketball fans, at least me personally. Um, (laughs) my, uh, My next note here says, Gabrielle Union is so fine. Uh, my next note here says, so cool of this college kid to come to prom. That's not creepy or weird at all. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool, um, actually. Uh, I've heard, I've heard once you go to college, you've actually, once you've graduated high school and you go back to prom, I, I, hear that's actually really cool and people actually like that a lot. And it's not creepy or weird at all. And, um, yeah, you should definitely do it. Um... (laughs) <laughs> my next note here says <laughs> um quincy saw monica in a dress and literally just walked away from gabrielle union uh in my note says dude saw her in a dress and said got <laughs> that's kind of why i was laughing uh my next <laughs> My next note says, I enjoy the way that the two protagonists have uh, distinct personalities, but enough similarities to make them relate to one another. Um, And and I think it really sold their their couple and their relationship status. I think it sold them as a very believable couple, and I thought that, uh, you know... Any reality that this movie that could bring out that was that was the reality it was their actual relationship because a lot of the actual moving parts around the movie felt a little rooted out of reality. Um, you know, uh, like how much does a banker make in 1980 whatever that they live next to an NBA player in Los Angeles nonetheless. Like I don't know, man. Or how little do NBA players make in the the late '80s? That you know, that's just my question, I guess. Um, who knows? But I guess, I mean, I guess he was saying later on in the movie, the the Quincy's dad was saying, like, you know, we we've got enough money to keep us for a while until I can figure something out. So, maybe it, it's not as lucrative as it is now, um, at least for some. Um, but I'm going to move on here. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, I thought it was funny when she said that the dude that brought her to prom, the college guy that I mentioned was very, very cool for taking her to prom from college, um she all she's trying to do the whole time he's like kissing on her and stuff is trying to remember how many rebounds that she had. thought that was pretty funny <laughs> thought that was a great line um the over romanticized uh like overall tone and feeling of this movie was really funny to me. it was just like really it was just cute honestly I thought it was uh i thought it was fun um just overall, I I enjoyed this movie, but it was more of a uh, a movie that you really have to like suspend the disbelief for. <laughs> and uh, you know, I I enjoyed it. I I I lightened up like halfway through the movie. I was trying to give it shit, and then I just accepted it for what it was. Um, and I made it so much easier to not be like a you know snidey son of a bitch about this movie and it made it so much easier to like and i really enjoyed it after that (laughs) i want to say like an hour actually it was like maybe 30 minutes like i was getting a little worked up and then i was like just calm down man and just watch it and accept the movie for what it is i think i was trying to put it on some type of like level or whatever or trying to like i don't even know but I, I lightened up and I, I i really started to enjoy it but uh moving on to my next note um Sindra talking shit like she wasn't getting worked <laughs> uh, um the starting point guard talking a lot of crap and uh she she could not really back it up to be honest and that's when she was um this is the starting point guard in college um when she got, when, um, Monica got to, to USC, she, she, uh, she goes, You know, the only reason you're here is because that other girl got pregnant and couldn't get here. And I was like, What the fuck? Because I worked your ass in practice? You're insane. Yeah, and then she got hurt and then her career was over. Well, I guess not, because she went over and played in Italy, but you get the jits. Um,. I'm gonna read this thing, David. Been... Um, yeah, the one thing that I didn't understand about that scene, though, before I move on uh, with Sidra and uh, Monica, is Monica has been, you know, they're selling Monica as like having like anger issues or like being hot tempered, and I don't know if this is like a, a way for them to show like a building block moment where like she's able to keep her temper or not, but I felt like. If I had written the movie, Monica would be fighting. (laughs) But I also understand that that has, like, further implications that if you try to hush away, don't make any sense. And if you did have her fight, that you would have to have, like, a, a scene where she gets reprimanded, and you'd have to have a scene where, like, she was sitting out games and stuff. And I just don't. I wouldn't have added anything, and it would have, like, taken away from the overall story. And so I understand why it wasn't done, but. At the same time, those are fighting words, and, uh, she better, she's better than me. No, I'm just, <laughs> I wouldn't have done shit. <laughs> um, the next note I have here is, uh, an exchange between Quincy and, uh, Monica when they were playing a, sh- a game of Strip one-on-one on a, uh, on a little basketball hoop inside of Quincy's dorm, and, uh... She goes, "Where's the D?" and she turns around and Quincy's fully naked and he goes, "It's right here." And uh, yeah, it is his dick. The D meant, D meant me. D stood for dick. Do you get it? (laughs) Uh, My next note here says, "Glad that the conflict is more about mental health than any type of outside actual force." Um, It's like them dealing with their own like, personal conflicts, and that's what drives them apart, rather than, you know, uh, well, I guess there's a girl, but he, it, the girl is more of, like, a, another aspect of his mental health not being 100% when, I don't even really know what I'm trying to say here, but, like, Quincy goes and tries to, um, bring that other girl in, um, which is wildly disrespectful. Um, your girlfriend comes over, and you're like, "Oh yeah, here's this girl. I'm about to take her on a date." Like that. Oh my god. I would. I would have never spoken to Quincy ever again in my entire life if, he, if somebody embarrassed me like that in front of other people. I would have killed him. I don't know about that either. I'm not about. I'm not about it. You know. But I'm just saying like. <laughs> uh you know if if i were there if i were a character in a movie and i had no repercussions for what i was doing that's what i would do <laughs> <laughs> um i have a note that's about a specific in the game in one of the games that is just not uh relevant if you haven't seen the movie so i'm not going to do that for the the review um and then uh, this last note on this page says i don't understand why q is now lashing out since his dad cheated on his mom i don't understand like does he think like now like oh well i don't have to be a perfect man because my dad wasn't if my hero is not a perfect man why do i have to be like if that's if that's actually the, the the you know stance that he's taking there like he's wildly wrong and i feel like that's a lot of the things like the All of the conflicts are absolutely drastic overreactions. Um, and, and perhaps that's life. Sometimes that is just life, you know. And then we're all very easy to let go and forgive. Um, so maybe this movie is more human than I think. Or more human than I want to give it credit for. Um, but yeah. Um I said Q was so in the wrong for everything that he said to her, uh when he broke up with her. And he was. I mean, like I said like I just said, everything was such an overly drastic overreaction. Um and that it was honestly just funny. Um there's a spinning shot of the Barcelona coach talking and um I don't know if it was doing it in circles to kind of give off the impression of like your coach talking to you in a language that you don't understand and like how dizzying that may feel and I maybe that was what it was speaking to because it was the only real like super dynamic shot uh, other than the you know basketball scenes obviously but it was the only real like super dynamic shot that um that had anything to do with um you know the storyline so I think maybe that was the effect and it definitely worked, because I was dizzy as shit. <laughs> so that definitely worked on me. Um, I'm going to skip that note. Um, I'm going to skip that note again. It, it's just more over-drastic overreactions. Uh, one from Quincy uh, later on. Uh, I don't even remember what it's for, but I just said I don't empathize with him. (laughs) I don't feel that way, but, you know, this movie is so, like, it pulls you in so many directions. You, like, almost feel the emotions in the same type of way that someone would if their heart was being broken or, like, if they were in love. So I think it captured that really well of, like, how hard you can feel emotions when you're in a relationship or, or whatever. Um... But yeah. Um the the film is full of like six self centered people is the full cast. <laughs> like just six of the most self centered people uh that you can think of. Uh but they all have good hearts and I think they have good intentions, so it's endearing, I think. Um Yeah, um, moving on, she's abusing him, uh, he's a man with a hurt ACL, and then I said, oh, never mind, he worked her, (laughs) he took the brace off his ACL and was like, alright, well I'm not, I'm not letting this happen, and absolutely took her to town, um, and then I have the quote, all's fair in love and basketball, I really enjoy that. Uh, I loved it, how they um, established it and then called back, I enjoyed that a lot, Um, just overall, I just thought it was a a well-written movie, Um, the dialogue was really nice uh, between the two characters, and the relationship was really well-crafted, and if that's well-crafted, I mean, I think you can pretty much do anything, uh, because that's, if that's going to be the what the movie predicates on that's all that really needs to be well polished um to the nth degree and again this is her first movie so you know i'm not really sitting here expecting a masterpiece but it was a really good movie uh, i don't want to take away from that at all um my next my last three notes are about the the basically the final ending scenes uh the first one says the WNBA, and the second one says Lisa Leslie, and then the third one says Wright McCall. Basically, they're uh, Quincy's last name hyphenated with Monica's last name. Um, and I have a little crying, uh, smiling emoji. And then they have a little daughter, and it's very cute. Um, I'm about to go to break real quick, and when I get back from the break, we are gonna throw this on the list really quick, and or I'm gonna give actually some final thoughts when we get back from the break, and then... I'm going to throw this on the list, and then uh, uh, we're going to be done. Thank you. Okie dokie. Um, I am back. Uh, and final thoughts. Okay, so final thoughts on this movie. Um, going into it. I I didn't say that really at the beginning, but going into this movie, I had an expectation that it would have a level of corny to it that I was going to be able to swallow, and I was right. It is a level of corny that I am able to swallow. Uh, It is overly romanticized. I will say that over and over, uh, but it is a great movie for you if you want to watch a movie with your significant other or if you want to watch just a cute movie. It's a very, very cute movie. Um, and it has a happy ending, so, um, if you watch this review as a way to hear about it and you're interested, it's a, it's an interesting one, um, and it definitely has a, a good plot, um, I enjoyed it, it was a fun time, I would watch it again if I caught it, you know, on TV, it's, it's just a fun movie, I can't say that enough, really. But uh, I guess without further ado on that, um, we can go to the list here, um, and I'm going to go ahead and throw it up. 11 basketball, I gave a 7.1. Um, so it's going to actually tie with El Mariachi uh, at number 7, um, and it's going to be over Mor Collar and Paris, Texas. So yeah, um, that's gonna be how that, uh, how that dribbles out, (laughs) I didn't even do that on purpose, (laughs) oh man, I'm genuinely laughing at that because I didn't do it on purpose, I'm not even joking, oh my god, wow, all's fair in love and basketball, eh, um, (laughs) okay, moving on from that, um, Into promo hour. Okie dokie. So this will be coming out Monday the 24th. So uh, obviously, if you've watched this, I very much appreciate that. Next week on FNF Cell Tapes, I'm going to be watching Blue Velvet by David Lynch uh, from 1986. I think that is one of his firsts. Um, it's it's one of them. One of the ones up closer. I I don't know. <laughs> I think Eraserhead is his first movie, but, um, Blue Velvet, uh, from 1986, nevertheless, uh, David Lynch, that'll be next Monday, and then, um, this Friday, I have, uh, Finding New Films coming out with the main show, uh, coming out with Chris, he'll be sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in, and we'll be discussing the 1971 film Walkabout, um, which is an Australian film, uh, that, uh, was directed by Nicholas Rogue and written by someone I can't remember the name of, but it's right here, actually. It's written by Edward Bond, um, so that was a really, really good movie, um, so go check that review out, um, that'll be out this Friday, uh. Another thing you can check out is The Basement Tapes. That is me and Trevor Dupree, and um, we will be uh, doing another episode maybe the week after next. But check out episode two, we talk some um, work stories, we talk about Israel Adesanya's very awkward uh, post-fight call-out to Dracostal Duplessis, Uh, and then we also talk about uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So. Anything you want to hear, we got it all there. Um, And then if you want to hear even more, we have Greg and Jeff Give the Hi-Hat. That is a show that I produce, um, so you can hear my voice there. Uh, I don't know how much you'll see me on there, but um, you'll be able to hear my voice for sure. Um, And uh, this past week, they talked about Greg's trip to Chicago, and my dad, Jeff, Um, built off of that by giving some of his trips from Chicago, some of his stories from there. They talked some of their old uh, work stories, being on the road, uh, doing shows and stuff. And then um, they also talked about uh, music. They also had a long, long talk about music. So uh, that was really interesting to be a fly on the wall for. So... uh, can only say that it you it would be great if you went over and listen to that because it's very interesting and i think they have both have great perspectives and are great uh at talking to each other because they've done that for 30 years now so that's enough of me selling myself and my family uh so, uh, I appreciate that. If you watch any of that or watch this, um, if you made it this far, I'm sure most people have turned it off at this point, but, uh, nevertheless, thank you. Uh, tune in next week. I'll see you very soon. Follow us on Instagram, subscribe, like, comment, uh, share it with your friends, do all that jazz. Uh... Follow us on Spotify and Apple Music or Google Pod or wherever you get your podcasts. And, yeah, I'm out. Good night. Mm.